Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaging in our trademark energetic and entertaining conversation. We've got some local, state, national news and politics, of course. We'll talk about the changing seasons, uh, reading, literature, that sort of thing. Good stuff. Good stuff today. Good stuff. I like the show. I like the way it's going. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us. Thanks for spending some time on your radio. Information 1000 KSOO. That's where you find it on your dial. We are also streamed live at KSOO.com where I know a lot of you people listen to the show and also the KSOO mobile app. You got to go out and get that thing on your app store or whatever you choose. We are on Facebook Live as always. And also Twitter at P Lally Show. We got it all nailed down. I I have some. I was surprised, Dan. I I'm a little bit concerned because you said that tomorrow it's going to be rainy and windy, and then Friday it's going to be a rainy. And my impression, I was told that uh, it was going to be a dry week, and now it's not. Is that what I'm led to believe? Is that in fact the truth? Thursday night, twenty percent chance of rain. That's in the 20, evening, that's nothing. Okay. Yeah. Friday afternoon, twenty percent chance of rain. Yeah, well, that just means it's going to rain cats and dogs. And then Friday night, thirty percent chance of rain. Mm-hmm. Saturday night, thirty percent. Sunday, fifty percent. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I didn't ride my bike today, and it's beautiful out. Oh, last two days. And I had quite a streak going. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, belabor this point. But I had quite a streak going. I had to give it up. And I'll talk about that for just a second here in a minute. But so today I had to drive uh, the cage, the roller, the gas guzzler, and it is awesome out there. I just realized when I got in the car to come over to the studio, and I, I'm not. And then you know I was wet, wet. Now it's going to be dry i'm not riding and then it's going to be like windy wet wet i i am i'm not timing this well at all this week and i'm i'm upset by that and the reason i'm upset is well i'm not upset by this so i, I couldn't ride today because well i maybe could have but I, I did not plan properly and it's my own i only have myself to blame but i have to i have to hustle on down to uh ksfy tv after the show today and hook up with a uh, friend of the show brian allen uh, for his uh, his uh, political program. This week in politics. Yes, this week in politics, and so I had to, uh, I had to, you know, I had to wear like a decent. If you're on Facebook, you can see I'm wearing a collared shirt, a nice one, pressed, well pressed, and uh, I have with me uh, the obligatory uh, sport coat and uh, tie. I see the monogram there. That's a polo, isn't it? It is. Is in fact a well, Ralph Lauren. Yeah. Very nice. Well, if I'm going to go, you know, I like I like the Ralph Lauren shirts. I'm a fan. But, you know, but so I had to, I got to like, it's TV, you know. I got to shine everything up. Got to shine the chrome dome, throw a little uh, powder on that bad boy. So I cut down on the glare, clean it all up and everything. Had to yeah, you don't want to be glistening when you go to the studio. No, I shave the head. It's cl- completely clean shaven. You know, if I'm going to be on TV, I like to prep. And so I, but what that means is then, uh, I, I gave up and I, I drove, I killed my streak and I drove my car and it's beautiful out. I might just have to go sit outside and soak up some sun or something just to make myself feel better. I know. And and I think the majority of your listeners will be able to forgive you for this indiscretion. I think so. Except one Michael Christensen. <laughs> he might give you a sideways glance or two because of this. That's true. That, well, there are some people out there. There are some hardcore folks out there who won't take my whining as any excuse because they fight through. They fight through. And, you know, many of them are, are high-level professionals who have been riding their bikes to work every day through everything. There's one gentleman, uh, one friend of mine, in fact, who is a, a medical professional and he has ridden his bike to work from the west side every day, like for I don't know how many days in a row. I mean, it's years. 
And it just doesn't matter. I mean, you just you just do it and you plan and you can say, well, I have to do. No, he just does it. He figures it out. I could have done that. But I did. I had an appointment at eight o'clock this morning. That required me to get up and moving a little. And I just with the head shaving and everything, I didn't get didn't didn't get going fast enough. And then because I had all the clothes, it just. I disgust myself, all right? I disgust myself with my inability to get, get that done. And now my streak is dead. Long live the streak. And I have to start over. It's upsetting. Now I've now just got myself more upset than I was even when I started talking. I've talked myself into a, a bit of, a, you know, self-hate, self-loathing. So I don't know. Guess you just get up tomorrow and you start all over again, Dan. Yep. You start and you go one. One. One time. The problem is sometimes when this, and this has happened to me in the past, you get lazy one day and then you're like, "Mm, two days, that's okay. It's when you start building up the streak that you just, you you fight through anything because you're not going to give up. There's something about the streak that just keeps you going, man. It's a motivator. It's like any type of physical activity, working out, that sort of thing. You get lazy one day, it's easier the second, and then the third, and then pretty soon it's habit and it's pattern. It's pattern, man. Don't let that happen to you. Dan, I beg of you, don't let that happen to you. All right. Take a lesson from me. Take your words. And then I will probably give us the first and only Meatballs reference for the Patrick Lally Show. It just doesn't matter. (laughs) Remember the old Bill Murray? It just doesn't matter. You can have a whole slate of Bill Murray references. We've we've threatened to do an entire, like, uh, uh, Monty Python uh, sort of sound. Drop, yes. Yeah, throughout the entire show. We didn't pull that one off, but... We, we still got time. Yeah, we we got more shows. <laughs> They're still coming. And uh, we have a good one today, I think, because of the guest we have in the second hour, the return after uh, a rather long drought because he's been a very busy, he's a very busy man. <laughs> That's a Monty Python reference, isn't it? You're a busy man. Jonathan Ellis, the finest investigative reporter working in South Dakota today, We'll be on the show in the second hour, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about uh, the Argus Leader's uh, uh, years-long lawsuit now uh, to obtain uh, what we believed when I got was involved with it, the uh, public's right to get the food stamp data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, and if you've been following that Long, long drama. You know that it's important public records issue that has nationwide implications, implications and interest. And Jonathan will be here in the second hour. We're definitely going to talk about that for a while because I've been wanting to do that for some time. Also, the common man is our weird friend of the day, Alyssa Boyson. She is the branch librarian, or one of them, with Siouxland Libraries. And they've got a big uh, drive going on in September that she wants to chat about. And I will have a PL statement after the break. Uh, today's topic is the new NAFTA. The new NAFTA. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. on the Patrick Lally Show, and we are getting a little closer to free here on Information 1000 KSOO during the P&L statement, the time of day when we look through the news for things that upset us and make us happy, perplex us, disturb us, all of the above, sometimes, some days, and this is one of them. So, of course, there's a lot going on out in Washington and uh, some stuff going on here at home, but it's a little slow. I'm going to tell you it's a little slow. It's a little slow here at home. 
on the old news front. There's, you know, some low level stuff with the uh with the guy at the guns and the schools and the guns and the cars and the guns and the guns and the guns. Uh, that is causing some conversation. But I want to talk about trade. Because ah, you know I love trade. You people, you know I love trade. And I love trade not because I love trade, but because I love what it means for South Dakota and because the policies are so important. And as you know, we have been embroiled in uh, some tumult in the uh, trade policy arena uh, in the presidency and administration of Donald J. Trump. We got out of the TPP before that could be put in place, which plays into this story. We uh, uh, we got the tariff war going with uh, China. Good times there. Good times. And, of course, uh, the renegotiation of NAFTA. And the news this week that happened uh, a couple days ago, but it's still roiling around, is that uh, so uh, the U.S., us, that's us, U.S., and Mexico, have reached a bilateral agreement on a revised and reformed NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. And, however, uh, the NAFTA includes a third partner, of course, Canada. Canada, our friends to the north, and very large trading partner. In fact, Canada is the largest trading partner for 36 of your 50 states. 36. I did not know that until today. Canada is the largest export destination for 36 states, according to this story in the New York Times, which has as its headline, Canada and U.S. meet as pressure builds to reach trade accord. The United States and Canada resume talks on Wednesday morning, that's today, and appear to be inching closer to reaching a deal by the end of the week that would keep the three-country North American Free Trade Agreement in Act. The United States and Mexico earlier this week agreed to a bilateral trade pact that, and said Canada had just days to sign on to the agreement or be excluded from NAFTA. But pressure is growing on President Trump to include Canada in any pact, with lawmakers suggesting that a bilateral agreement will not pass congressional muster. So the good news is that we may have worked some things out with Mexico, right? And uh, I believe some of the tenants of that that are favorable are some uh, uh, minimum wages for uh, folks in the auto industry. If you, you we can't import cars for from people who built them for anything less than 16 bucks an hour, I believe that's in there, and some other stuff. But Canada's, Canada's a big deal for us, okay? And you'll recall, uh, uh, and, and the president is uh, uh, happy about the Mexico deal. You know, he should be happy about that. He may have overstated it just slightly, calling it the best trade deal ever. Little much, just maybe a skosh over the top, and you know, not true, but that's fine. I mean, that's good. He's given to exaggeration. We know these things. But as this story points out, the intense negotiations come as relations between Canada and the United States have declined to their lowest point in recent memory. In June, Mr. Trump berated Canada Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as very dishonest and weak following a contentious G7 summit. Later that month, Ms. Freeland, who is their uh, uh, trade negotiator and foreign minister, angered some of the in the White House when she suggested in a speech that the United States under the Trump administration was turning its back on the democratic values that it once championed. You remember that dust-up. But the Trump administration may be more willing to strike a deal with Canada, given blowback from Congress, which has the ultimate legal authority over trade agreements, over the potential for a NAFTA that includes just Mexico. And this is this is where it goes bad, all right? This is where the details come up and bite you because Congress has to approve any new NAFTA. This isn't the purview of the president. The president negotiates it. Congress has to approve it. That's how it works. And the thing is, is that if Canada's not in there, uh, it's going to have a long row to hoe, as we like to say. And in Canada, what we're dealing with are the dairy tariffs and uh, timber, although there was a ruling by the U.S. Uh, International Trade Commission that said the, uh, the tariffs that we put on uh, paper out of Canada, not good. 
not not really uh, in the uh, uh, within our rights. So I think they took those off. Uh, newspaper publishers everywhere rejoiced. However, the issue at hand. Legal experts remain divided about what would happen if the United States-Canada trading relationship, if they are no longer knit together through NAFTA. Relations between Canada and Mexico would likely be governed, and this is interesting, by the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You remember the one we got out of, which the countries are likely to approve next year. But that pact excludes the United States, and the relationship could wind up reverting to the rules of an earlier United States-Canada free trade agreement. Oh, it's an ugly mess. So, can it get through... Congress. Um, This is quoting Senator Patrick Toomey, a a Pennsylvania Republican. To use trade promotion authorities fast track, which is what they want to do, procedures, the administration must also reach an agreement with Canada. NAFTA was a tri-party agreement only made operative with legislation enacted by Congress. Any change, such as NAFTA's termination, would require additional legislation from Congress. Because of these limitations, many Canadians have interpreted Mr. Trump's threats to move ahead with a bilateral deal without them as bluster. It's rhetoric, said Deborah Steiger, a law professor at the University of Ottawa, who is a former senior trade negotiator for Canada and one-time official at the World Trade Organization. It's just a negotiating tactic that sounds good if you don't understand the law and the rules. Um, So there's a lot of, of questions about whether we can actually do this. And... Uh, There are some legal experts who argue that the Trump administration has several weeks yet to finalize a deal, although the uh, administration of Mexico changes over on December 1st. And, you know, we've got the uh, midterms coming up. Sure would hate to have to go after the midterms. Even with Canada on board, however, revised NAFTA deal could face a long road to approval in Congress. Democrats have long criticized NAFTA for sending American jobs abroad, and they have pushed Mr. Trump to include tougher protections for workers in the deal. Republicans have been critical of some of the administration's proposals they see disadvantaging businesses, including sunset clause and limitations to companies' ability to sue foreign governments. It's an issue, and it's an issue in farm states like ours and in Kansas. And on Tuesday, Kansas Senator Jerry Moran, a Republican, sent a letter to Mr. Trump saying that Canada must be included in any revised NAFTA. Any new agreement that excludes Canada would unfortunately be a significant step in the wrong direction compared to the trilateral agreement in place today, he wrote. What does it mean? It means that farm states aren't going to go ahead with this NAFTA if it doesn't include Canada because we do so much trade with Canada. It's huge. It's huge. So Canada's got to be in there. And if you've been making fun of Canada all this time, it seems like a bad, bad time to actually need them to get on board. Canada needs us. Yes, they need us. And we need them. So we need to get it done. Maybe, maybe just being a little bit nicer would make it a little bit easier to cut the deals we need to sell our goods out of South Dakota to our largest trading partner, Canada. That is the bottom line on today's PL. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. Get on our Twitter feed at P Lally Show and chat with us there. Looking forward to hearing from you coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. It is the common man on Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into town on a crippled horse. Got fired from a cattle drive up north. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45. 3.36 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I am happy to have on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. A little bit out of order, but that's okay. The Common Man. Mr. Common, how's your week going, man? You all right? Pretty darn swell. Had a had a couple of days off. Played a little golf tournament. Yeah, had a great time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, the uh, uh, it's did you did you feel the crispy in the air out there? It's a little it's a little oh, uh, fallish today. Are you, you know, all right? It, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was out there, you know, and I, I, I know you and Boone talked about uh, lawns. Yeah, a lot, you know, that, which is great. Yeah, you know, but it, and that that's the case, you know, but that. I was out there mowing my lawn, and I could see my breath. <laughs> That's I just, awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, no. It was like 40-some degrees overnight, I think. Wasn't that it? I was cold. 
Yeah, you know, the great, the great, uh, you know, uh, there's probably a good word for it, but I'm going to say dichotomy. Mm-hmm. About uh, you know, 47 now, and, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, and then 47 in March, you're like, mm-hmm. hey, where's my thong? <laughs> No, don't say that, please. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Uh, but it, uh, summer's coming to an end, my friend. It's Labor Day this weekend. Labor Day, long weekend. I'm looking forward to it. God, and the perspective changes so much as, mm-hmm. you, as you get older. You know, on Labor Day, and when you're a kid, it was like you're all excited about school and seeing your buddies, and Labor Day was very exciting. You got to be a you know, like a young adult, and hey, wow, Labor Day one, you know, get a couple, get one extra day off from the man. We're going to go out and have one great big summer end of summer blowout. Yeah, and then you know you get to be an older dude, and it's like, well, you put away the patio furniture and wait for everything to die. <laughs> Just stare out into the backyard, into the dark backyard, and All sort the, of sigh. Everything that I spent hours planting is dead. <laughs> Just let it die. It's dead. It's a it's a metaphor for our lives. Oh, it is. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's well, and then and truly, when you're in that uh, that stage of life, you go, yeah, it's fall. <laughs> <laughs> Another. <laughs> Not winter yet, but it's, know, it's not good. I'm not feeling good. But, but you know, being a you know the summer thing though, it's not, you know, you were talking about when we were kids. You know, you get to, to summer and it's you know, and then you get to you look, but it's not that way anymore. Well, you know? no, I mean it's it's not. I mean, but but there's still things when you're when you're a kid. You know, it's the it's the it's the whole thing is flipped now that we're older. So when you're a kid, you're all excited. You're, you're, you know, all you had goals. You're going to do better at school. Um, you got your new sneakers. You're going to get, make the honor roll. You're going to make the football team try out for a play. Uh, you're going to ask Patty Nobach to the homecoming dance. It's gonna be, things are just, I mean, it's just bursting. Your, your, your life is alive. Your heart is thumping. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, then when you're an adult, you, you, you get to fall and you go, well, I didn't play as much golf as I wanted to. <laughs> You know, I didn't. I didn't break eighty this summer. Not again. I didn't travel. My bike is still in the shed. <laughs> Where's the didn't, rake? Didn't lose that winter weight. I said I was going to lose. <laughs> Guess what? I'm as pale now as I was in March. <laughs> <laughs> I never got out to the lake. I never spent any time on the water. And guess what? It's going to be frozen water soon. <laughs> that's that's not um, that's not encouraging. Comment. No, it's not. It's and I know it's not a cheerful thing, but <laughs> I mean, it, but, but I think that's 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 the part of being an adult. They say that that uh, uh, children when they're when you're a child. I saw this on television this morning. You you laugh like it's like a couple hundred times a day. You break into laughter, mm-hmm. but as an adult, the average adult laughs four times a day. <laughs> and I'm just like going, wow. They, <laughs> Clearly, that not all of those people are married to me. Because <laughs> no, you're a funny guy. Well, that's but, why you're on the show. Well, it's about that, and you know, my wife, you know, she laughs as opposed to cry because <laughs> she's she's got a good positive outlook. That's right. She's that's how she's maintained all these years as Mrs. Common. The uh, then I must have burned up all my laughing. I got nothing left for the rest of the day. That it's all you're gone. Kidding. You're kidding. Well, nothing. That's, that's four my, times. Those were my four laughs right there. I've had four <laughs>, laughs in this segment. I'm done. I'm going to go home. And I'm going to sit in front of, uh, go home and watch Netflix dramas. Well, you know, the, the thing with your gig, you have to do a lot of serious stuff. That's, you know, true. that's I think that's my goal in life is to just sort of brighten up, you know, you know, Pat's and Sturm and Drang about, you know, all the things that are political and mm-hmm. this and, you know, money spending and city pol- Oh, my goodness. That's it. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm here for uh, giggles and, you know, and <laughs> get, get my uh, train whistle out and, you know, <laughs> I'm here for the laugh. These are the jokes, people. These are the jokes, people. <laughs> I've but never you... seen an oil painting eat before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, see that? Just that makes me laugh. Um, you know the uh, the whole thing though about what I was saying about summer not being the same. Uh, you know, your kids are grown now. Did you, did when they were when they were uh, uh, youngins? Did you have them in camp and all that? Did they oh, oh, were they so scheduled out? It's so, and I feel so bad for the scheduled kid now, you know, because by the time they play t-ball or baseball or softball, and that that takes them to the Fourth of July generally, mm-hmm. and then it's probably well, we've got uh, you know drama camp or this or that, and then they've got Leif Erickson, and it's like, you know, there is where on earth is a you know, the kids are going to be able to have time to go 
out and kick a rock, mm-hmm. you know, uh, find a frog someplace, uh, you know, and, and there's that loose band of knuckleheads that you kind of found in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd like walk around and, you're, and go, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. Well, let's go walk down there and see if he's doing anything. You know, yeah. that sort of uh, loose uh, membership of gangs. And those, you know, I know you mm-hmm. uh, still, you know, do nothing with all those same guys. That's, so that's true. It's a beautiful thing. That's true. It, it's uh, it's the kind of nothingness that lasts a lifetime. <laughs> and you wonder why kids, you know, because they're so, they're so slotted all the time, they don't have time to maybe build those kind of bands, and they become sort of these independent contractors in life. You know, it's like, ah, I wish you, you got to have, you got to have that, you know, that, that gang mm-hmm. that you can rely on. It's true. You it do really nothing is. with. You know, uh, you can go months and months, weeks and weeks without talking to the gang, and then you do, and it's like you pick up right where the last conversation you had. And then 45 minutes later, it's like, got to go. And then you yep. know, it's that never ends. But, you know, I think they, they like, they, they don't want kids out roaming around because they think they're just going to break windows and get in trouble. Well, either that or, you know, they'll be, you know, abducted and taken somewhere. You know, that's, and that's some pretty real concerns when you read the headlines today. But I, I feel bad because that's too bad because yeah. kids should, you know, you remember the drill. You got up, you ate your Cheerios. And mom said, I'll see you at lunch mm-hmm. for 20 minutes yeah. and back out. And then I don't want to see you until it's dark. Yeah. And don't come back. Don't, wasn't, <laughs> just, don't come back. Your father had a hard day. He's <laughs> sleeping and I got to get the house clean. So do not. You know, that back in that dynamic back in those days, you know, go over to the rotors. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you know, who's got some good, good food over at their house. You know, the, the Fiorellos go out there and see what. Like she's up too down See, there. You can rustle up over there at the uh, at the Vassings. And, oh uh, God, yeah, yeah. Right. They always had, uh, yeah. You know, Mrs. Fiorello made awesome cupcakes, and oh. I, I lived on those. Plus, you know, the Fiorello sisters were were pretty cute too. So. <laughs> that's where you really see. That's why you needed to be in camp, <laughs> common man, because you're out stalking the Fiorello sisters. But oh uh, gosh, they, they were they were well, they were awful nice. Yeah, well. We'll think about that. We'll think about you this weekend, Mr. Hey, you got time for you got time for a back to school joke? I do. Okay, here we so here we go. Yeah. So you know, one morning a mother goes to wake up her son. She says, "Wake up, son! It's time to go to school." And the son says, "I don't want to go to school." And she says, "Well, give me two reasons you don't want to go." Well, first off, all the kids hate me, and the teachers hate me too. And mom says, "Well, that's no reason not to go to school. Come on now and get me ready." The kid says, well, give me two reasons why I should go to school. And mom says, well, for one, you're 52 years old. Another, you're the principal. (laughs) Uh, And with that, thank you, Common. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Okay. Take care, Patrick. Coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, uh, we're going to talk with Alyssa Boyson, who is with the Siouxland Library. She is a branch librarian, and they've got a big uh, drive going on. We will talk about all that and more. On the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO. Make it back home before dawn. It might 349 on the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO. And I am quite pleased to have in the studio, returning to the studio, Alicia Boyson. She is the, it's Alicia, Alicia Boyson. Branch librarian with the Siouxland Libraries. I still didn't get it right, did if I? If you would see how it was spelled, I you would how understand how he is having a hard time with it. It is a really weird spelling. It's a, it's A L Y S I A, and it, I should get it because she's been on the program before. She's a branch librarian with Siouxland Libraries, and you are based out of where? Crooks. Crooks. Beautiful downtown Crooks. Crooks actually is a very, people don't even know where it is. Yeah, but it's a great little community. Uh, just a short little, like, 10 minute drive north of Sioux Falls here. Yeah. And they've got a, a really nice convenience store there if you're out on a bike ride. Yeah. It's a, it's a common <laughs> cycling stop. But that's not why you're here. Right. Alicia, uh, you're here because uh, you guys down at the Siouxland Libraries, which covers a lot of uh, Minnehaha County and all of Sioux Falls, mm-hmm. having a big push for library cards. Yeah, we want people to come in and um, get a Siouxland Libraries card so that they can have access to all of the free services we provide at the library. Many of them people probably don't even think about. I mean, people think of a library, they think checking out 
books from the library. But we have so much more with our downloadable services, our databases, and of course our traditional um, book collection too. But even with things that you can check out like movies and music mm-hmm. and audiobooks, sometimes people don't even think about that as options. Yeah, you guys have gotten really into downloadable content with the whole advent of e-readers and, mm-hmm. and it's been refined over the years. It works pretty slick. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something that people don't really realize but this i see on your i see on your list here that you've got something called that i did not know about mm-hmm. called linda l again spelled funny l y n d a dot com what's l y n d a linda dot com anyway Lynda.com is a database that the library subscribes to so then our customers can use for free um, where they can go online and learn a new um, area. So if they want to learn about, maybe they just got a new iPhone, want to learn about how to use the camera better. There is a course on Lynda that they can take and it's all outlined for them. And then there's a lot, they can read through the materials if that's what their preferences. Otherwise, there's also videos that wa- they can watch that have all of that content. So if you're maybe not a big reader, but still want to continue mm-hmm. learning, um, it has both options on that database. So you can learn lots of new skills. Well, that's pretty cool. So I can sign on to that with any of my uh, any of my devices, my uh, computer at home or what have you. Yeah. Or if you have a, you know, like a mobile tablet yeah. or whatever, yeah. you can um, view it on there. And all you need is your library card. And then you can set up an account. And then once you set up that account, it remembers which courses you have taken, how far along in the courses you've taken. Um, most of the courses even offer like a certificate at the end to say, Hey, yeah. you completed this. Your employer might give you a little extra something, there you something go. for that. I am a I am a certified iPhone camera user. Right. <laughs> I'm on social media. I am certified in Facebook, so that's why I'm on there so long. No. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of great um like if you are in the customer service um business or um you dealing with the public and want things on how to better deal with a wide variety of courses that you can take i just mentioned the camera phone one yeah no that's fine Uh, mm -hmm. well a lot of people could use the extra work yeah you know extra instruction like get closer but uh the the lynda.com l-y-d-n l-y-n-d-a is only one of the things you went through the rest of it how so you want to get people in who don't have cards right well, yeah, we want people to get in who don't have cards. We want people who maybe have cards, but it's been a while since they've been to the mm-hmm. library, have them come in. And then also the people who already have a card, tell your friends and family about the great services that you're already enjoying at the library. And anybody who does that during the month of September will be able to enter into a prize drawing for a Zambos gift card that we're giving away at the end of the month. Boom, 50 bucks to Zambos. Yep. Yeah. See that now everybody's sitting there and they're saying, well, yeah, I know I got to go to the library card. Whoa, 50 bucks. I'm in. Yeah. Right? That's all it takes sometimes. Well, not that all the free services we no. don't offer isn't a win-win right there, but just a little extra incentive. There you go. And so this runs through the entire month of September? Yeah. September 1st through the 30th. Just stop by any of our Siouxland Library locations. We've got five here in Sioux Falls and then throughout Minnehaha County in our um, smaller communities. Uh, everywhere except Dell's. Right. You always got to Those say. indies up in Dell's, rep, splitters, a bunch of splitters up there in Dell's. And do they get a free Zambros gift card? No. No. So go to Crooks. Unless they come in and you can always buy a non-resident card. So if you're in oh. Dell's, you really love the Siouxland libraries, you can buy a card and then enter your, into the Zambros gift card. When are you guys just going to go up there and invade Dell's? And just, <laughs> just annex them into the system. Yeah. It's time, don't just you Just tell them it's, this is how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We love our friends in Del Rapids. and uh, But get out there to your Siouxland libraries all over Sioux Falls and all over Minnehaha County. Uh, uh, Alicia uh, Boyson, she is the branch librarian uh, out of Crooks, and we really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. We will be right back after this short break. After the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk with Jonathan Ellis, Argus Leader Media, the finest investigative reporter working in the state of South Dakota today. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Stick with us through the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. Get updated on both so you know what's going on. And then return for the finest investigative reporter working in South Dakota today. That is Jonathan Ellis. And we're going to talk about food stamps. It's good stuff. Stay with us on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSLO. 
407 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Digging one out of the uh, B102.7 vault there for Mr. Jonathan Ellis, the finest investigative reporter working in South Dakota today from the Argus Leader. And this, did, did you, uh, you only got to hear the first few bars of that, but did you, uh, did you recognize that? I'm thinking, of course I've heard it a million yeah, times, yeah. right? I'm trying to, I was trying to think what album it was coming I don't know. From. I don't know. I had no idea, because I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan. This is Four Sticks. Okay. So I, I was trying to go over something obscure. I'm but, just trying to remember which album yeah. it is. Well, we'll have, we'll have to do some research on that, but that's Four Sticks. I, I got to tell you, the B one hundred two point seven library has page after page after page of Led Zeppelin songs. Love it! <laughs> I, I was just shocked. So I, I only, uh, I'm getting the signal from uh, the booth from Dan Peters, Uber producer. It's four. It's on four. Okay, on four. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Good thing it's a, not a complicated album title. Right. <laughs> He's get, signing over there. Well, really, if you were trying to sign the signs that were that made up for it, would be very complicated. I don't know how you do that, so you just got to go. You know, yeah, that's right. It was it, informally four, four right. Led Zeppelin, four, four sticks. Um, anyway, welcome back. To yeah, the show. it's been a long time. Um, you, there, we, I've been going to have you on forever to talk about this, and we just couldn't make the vacations and stuff. And you're you're a busy man. And, uh, uh, but this, you wrote recently about the latest in the, uh, Argus Leaders, uh, long running now going on its eighth year. Yes. Suit against the U S department of agriculture for data on involving, uh, uh, food stamps, the, the snap program. Tell us, first of all, remind the good folks. So I don't screw it up. Remind the good folks what it is that you that the Argus Leader is asking for. Well, Patrick, many, many moons ago, mm-hmm. we had submitted a freedom of information request for uh, various various information about the federal food stamp program, which, as you know, has been re- renamed Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. And amongst the records we had requested was the annual amounts that retailers who participate in the program, mm-hmm. and this is for every retailer in the in the country. Mm-hmm. Your grocery stores, your convenience stores, yep, Gas stations, yep. convenience stores, farmer's markets, big box retailers. We requested the annual sales for every one of those businesses in the U.S. of A. Um, and this was a request that we made, um, again, years and years, years ago now, um, and the years that we requested that information for was 2005 to 2010. Um, and so that was the information we requested, and we've been litigating um, that portion with the, first the Department of Agriculture and more recently the Food Marketing Institute um, for the last several years. And why do you want this information, Jonathan? I mean, why fight this long and this hard for for data. Well, I, I mean, if you look at the, the most of the base level of what this information is, it's what the taxpayers are paying businesses to partic- to voluntarily participate in a program. And so let's say the, if you wanted to find out, I mean, part of a good government policies have been transparency in what we pay. So even, even if you go down to city hall here at local government, you open bids, you know how much we're going to pay a contractor to do, fulfill a certain function for whatever that is. If you look at procurement guidelines, we know how much we're paying for you know, services provided to governments. Um, if you look at uh, even going back to the federal level, you can get contracts of, you know, again, contractors. You can get, we know how much um, senators make. We know how much salaries are of federal employees, of local employees. You know what state. every we, janitor in the city government makes. Correct. We have all of that. So, so it's just basic the basic kind of information that is and should already be available to taxpayers who, by the way, pay all of this. So, and it's the, billions at, and billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars every year uh, at the at the at the program at the height of the program. I mean, um, and and the, the 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 number of people on the program have, have receded somewhat uh, since the height uh, of the recession. But uh, you know, the program is near eighty billion dollars a year. Um, it's closer now, to, I think, down to about seventy billion dollars but that's that's fairly significant still a lot and uh and so you made this request 
uh, it was kind of an innocuous request. I was, I was there at the time. I was in the room when we had this discussion. And my, my recollection is, didn't seem like that big a deal at the time. Like, oh, that's something we should be able to get, right? Sure. And uh, why is it then that the Department of Agriculture and now the retailers, why have they fought so hard not to release it? It seems so uh, easy to say, it's our money, it's our records, give it to us. Why are they fighting so hard and so long? Because they're spending a lot of money. They are spending a boatload of money. I, I would say that, I mean, they're, they're, my theory is about why they're fighting. I mean, for one thing, the Department of Agriculture, the, the Food and Nutrition Services, in, in my view, is sort of a, a, a captured regulatory entity. I mean, it's doing the bidding of the people that it's supposed to regu- regulate in this area. Um, and uh, the Department of Agriculture fought us and fought us, and we prevailed on a couple of different legal fronts. And at the you know the department decided you know it it was going to get out of this lawsuit. It was not going to appeal when we won here in, in district court. Um, it was not going to appeal at the Eighth Circuit, in part because the attorneys who were representing the department had probably told them like, look, this is not a winnable case. So then the Food Marketing Institute intervened in the case and appealed it to the Eighth Circuit, and now we're at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so that's where we are now. That was the latest story you wrote, was that the, the retailers are essentially uh, uh, appealing the Eighth Circuit's second right decision on this. Correct. And that's their last remedy. Right. They are, yep, they are looking for the United States Supreme Court to grant them uh, to, uh, cert is what they mm-hmm. call it, and uh, you know, very few cases uh, ever get that. Now, there's something else going on beyond this. I mean, there are provisions within the Farm Bill that would bar disclosure of this information, and so basically, I think what the Food Marketing Institute is doing is trying to drag this out, mm-hmm. drag out the clock here, and hope that something in Congress passes that would that would basically put all of this, you know, end these these many years of litigation and just end it. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second with Jonathan Ellis, the finest investigative reporter working in the state of South Dakota today. After this short message, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand. K-S-O-O. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, K-S-O-O. And that's, of course, I went with something a little more straightforward for uh, my guest, Jonathan Ellis, from the Led Zeppelin catalog, Whole Lot of Love. Unmistakable Led Zeppelin. This just kicks off Led Zeppelin 2, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going to take your (laughs) word on that one. But uh, yeah, that's so. I that's the end of the Led Zeppelin. Who listens to albums anymore? That's the problem. You know, you don't uh, listen to albums straight through. It's kind of no, hard to remember how. No, I've yeah. gone full Spotify. Okay, that's it. I I gave up trying to keep my digital library. I just quit. I just knelt down before the altar of Spotify and said, "Here's my money. Okay. I need music. I want it. Make my life simple." That's that. But that's the way of that's our world, man. It's just like here's my money. Fix my life. Right. Fix my deck, as we were just talking. <laughs> right, fix, right. <laughs> so uh, I, we were talking about this uh, lawsuit, um, this years-long lawsuit started in uh, U.S. District Court here in uh, uh, Sioux Falls. And uh, Argus Lear filed it against uh, the U- U.S. Department of Agriculture for its uh, refusal to release the food stamp data. And Karen Schreier, uh, Justice Karen Schreier, not Justice. Judge. Judge Karen Schreier, uh, uh, ruled against the Argus Leader, appealed to the Eighth Circuit, won at the Eighth Circuit, sent it back down to Karen Schreier. She, on a couple of points, and then ruled on those points, got appealed back up to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, right? Correct. By the uh, USDA and the food retailers. Uh, by the by, this but, time, the USDA bowed out. Yeah. After, just, they, lo- after they lost at the trial, uh, Judge Schreier ruled against them at the trial. Then at Food Marketing Institute intervened. And I was in uh, in that at that trial at some point in the after it had been remanded, and I've never seen so many uh, 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 lawyers in one place in my life, and that that's saying something. There was so they they sent a there was a fleet of lawyers in there representing various interests. It's kind of amazing how many different parties have an interest in this lawsuit. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and, and the question is, why do they keep fighting so hard? I mean, from mm-hmm. from USDA's perspective, I, they didn't, you know, it's, they they want to pretend it's their information, mm-hmm. and, you know, that they, there are a lot of government agencies sometimes that don't realize that what they're what they have is actually belongs to the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. It's their information, um, and it actually belongs to us. Uh, and and then from the Food Marketing Institute, I mean, people keep asking. I mean, they've spent a ton of money on lawyers in this thing. And of course, we thankfully have John Arnerson here, local Sioux Falls attorney, who's been, one man, who's one man who's been fighting these clowns, one but, short sword. <laughs> yeah. So, but but you know, so what is it that they're trying to hide? And, and my guess is, my guess is that there's been there has been a lack of sort of transparency in where all of this money goes. I think that when people think of food stamps, they often think of the poor people who get the money, mm-hmm. you know, and then obviously, um, but I, I think that. A lot of the big companies, big food companies, retailers that participate in this program don't want the target on them in terms of, hey, you're getting tens of billions of dollars from the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And you know, back in 2013, there was a, a sort of a lifting of the curtain when Walmart, um, I think during a, comp- a call to uh, shareholders, uh, suggested that possible cuts to food stamps would you know, obviously hurt Walmart. And at the time, I'm... I'm I'm going by my memory here, but I think he had indicated that, you know, they get about, uh, to shareholders, that was something like a $13 billion a year revenue source for them. That's amazing. That's a significant amount of money. And it's also a significant percentage of the annual food stamp budget. Correct. Yeah. And and so that, you know, and I think that, I think that, I mean, these, these, you know, the the information where if we were able to get this data, we could very quickly compile how much money Walmart gets every year um, or how much money any any retailer group gets. Um, my guess is that Walmart doesn't want this, this publicly known because for a couple of reasons. A, it would, a lot of people would say, well, you're, you know, you kind of, uh, you get a lot of money from the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing for that? And then you know, a lot of people would also question Walmart. Well, how well are you paying? How many of your employees are actually participating in the yeah. food stamp program? So there are a so lot of reasons. So you're basically what you're telling us, Walmart, and this is where it becomes um, a huge policy issue: is that Walmart doesn't pay pays their employees such a wage that they qualify for food stamps. So they get food stamps and they buy their food from Walmart. The f- taxpayers are then subsidizing the workers for Walmart. That's an argument that I think some that some people in that policy realm would make. It's basically um, socialism. Yeah, it's <laughs> something like that. Um, it, it's it's uh, well, except except it's not because obviously Walmart CEOs and the, those their mm-hmm. high executives are not uh, they're they're making plenty of money. Mm-hmm. And again, that would be another another issue you would have. It's like, well, you know, these companies that are making tens of billions of dollars from taxpayers, what are they paying their you know their mm-hmm. their their workers, and then what are they paying their their executives? Those are legitimate, uh, you know, policy questions. But you could also say, I mean, here's another here's another point, another angle to this is that Walmart tends to sell its food, it tends to be less expensive in terms of food, and mm-hmm. we've studied this at, even at the Argus Leader, and we've talked to scholars. They tend to have overall uh, cheaper food prices, and so you could also make the argument that you know uh, taxpayers are getting a better deal because people are shopping at Walmart, except they are not. The, the the food may be less expensive at the retail level, but that's not because they have reduced their margins. It's because they have put the squeeze on the suppliers. To some extent, I mean, Walmart uses actually a different a, a different pricing technique than really anybody else does in the industry. Um, they just lot. they just take a smaller margin because they can get. I mean, you could make that argument. They do as they, a business model. Yeah, they do. I mean, they they make a uniform. They they everything is going to be low. They, they, so what a lot of restaurants do is they'll, they'll use a model in which they discount certain goods and 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 have other price other mm-hmm. prices be higher on other goods just to try to attract shoppers to come in. Walmart has taken attack of they'll just they have a flat this is how much profit margin they're looking at whereas so they don't they don't use this uh the, the technique of hey milk's on sale this week mm-hmm. you know they don't do that as to the extent that uh, most grocers actually do mm. it's very interesting um, we're going to come right back and uh, continue talking about food stamps and the implications and the interest in this case nationwide and whatever whenever it might end. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Jonathan Ellis. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. (laughs) 
434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and that is in fact not Led Zeppelin, that's the jam, Town Call Malice. Had to change it up a little bit for my guest, the finest investigative reporter working in the state of South Dakota today, Jonathan Ellis of Argus Leader Media, and we've been talking about food stamps and the uh, uh, Argus Leader's uh, long-running suit against first the USDA and now the uh, food, uh, the, the, the grocers, the retailers. Uh, and so let's, we, we've talked about the, the court proceedings and everything. Um, but the twist on this now is that it's, as you mentioned earlier, it's caught up in the farm bill of all things. So why is this case threatened essentially by the farm bill? Well, while the litigation has been ongoing, the Food Marketing Institute, the National Grocers Association, uh, and other other the convenience store groups and the likes that don't want, I mean, the gas station people don't want people to know how much money is spent, uh, taxpayer money is spent at gas stations. So they've all rallied to find their c- Congress critters to um, put provisions in the farm bill uh, that would bar disclosure uh, of this information. Uh, and it's very explicit in the House. And then on the Senate side, the Senate version of this, it's a little more it's a little more nuanced. It's difficult to read what they're trying to accomplish. But on the Senate side, um, a Senate staffer who inserted that was actually working for the Food Marketing Institute, uh, you know, a few months before. So really. Are you surprised that somebody with a mm. with a big lobbying or, uh, association would actually then go to work for uh, the U.S. government, Congress, and then actually get something inserted into a law, a possible law that would then benefit his old trade association? Or does that surprise you that that kind of corruption happens? What's shocking to me about that is that it's it's usually the other way around. So somebody leaves government service as a Senate staffer in their paltry salary and goes to work for a huge uh, law firm doing policy and lobbying and, you know, quadruples are, you know, their salary. In this case, you've got somebody that worked for the association going to work for the government and then working on policy that they used to work for for the association. Correct. And I emailed this individual and asked him if he was still getting a check from FMI because it would not surprise me if he is. Taken double dipping, and he's only took the job to work on the bill. Correct. Yeah, I mean that's a, is, that's a is, conspiracy theory, but it's it's plausible. Uh, it's extremely plausible because there's no way to know. I asked him, and he has not responded to me. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I did not know that. That's some intrigue. So the farm bill is still. It's has it passed both chambers? Um, it will. Yeah, it's going. It will go. It will go to conference sometime yeah. this fall. So there was an effort, was there not, to strip that out in the Senate entirely? There were efforts both on the House side and the Senate side to sort of deal with that. Um, but you know, now that now that they're both now that there's some kind of provision in each bill, it's it's very very likely that something like that will will be in the final law. Uh, our senators, uh, your John Thune and your Mike Rounds, uh, where are they on this thing? Um, I'm not really. Uh, talked to Mike Rounds about this. I mean, he was not in the Senate when this lawsuit started, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Thune, Senator Thune has supported us. Uh, Representative Christy Noem on the House side tried to introduce an amendment that would have would have stripped this uh, uh, language out of the House bill, um, but the House Rules Committee would not allow the amendment to the floor. Um, surprise, surprise! Some of the people who support um, the the are, who are being supported by the National Grocers Association and FMI are on the House Rules Committee. Um, so it's just, you know, it's why we hate Washington, right? Uh, it's it is, um, and I and I've I've said this before, and I put it on on Twitter, but it, you know, I'm I'm really I should be more surprised. I'm not. I, I mean, I guess I you know, government and industry are always colluding to help government and industry. Where are the uh, uh, folks from? Whether it's the House Rules Committee or uh, folks who are backing this in either chamber, where are they from? Is it regional at all? I mean, are, are is this no, a rural I, urban split or is it just straight up? No, I think these are scoundrels from across the p- political spectrum. Um, one of them is uh, uh, Dan uh, Dan Newhouse, I believe his name. He's represents uh, he's in the representative from the state of Washington, mm-hmm. and he gave a speech. He introduced an amendment. Uh, the the amendment uh, uh, that's also I should also it's not just part of the farm bill, but it's also in the House and the same identical language in the House Appropriations Bill. And he introduced the amendment, and you could tell that 
that he never wrote a word of how he introduced the amendment. Mm-hmm. Nobody on his staff ever wrote a word. It was written by lobbyists. And handed to them. And, 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 and I know that just because I've heard, I've been involved in this case for so many, and I've heard their arguments in, in court, and I've heard their arguments in briefs. I mean, these are, these, what he, what he read on the House floor was not written by him, was not written by his staff. It was written by lobbyists. The lobbyists for the food retailers, the grocers, who are trying to fight the fact that the citizens, i.e. you and I, want to know where our money is going. It's so absurd when you start to break it down, and it gets very complex very fast in terms of the legal proceedings and everything that's going on. But when you break it down to its core element, it is just flat-out government protecting bigwigs. I believe it's government protecting bigwigs. And, 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 you know, we've talked a little bit about what we think is in this data, but I, I can tell you that, you know, when we originally requested it, there were some many practical uses for this. And we've been contacted by people, by researchers, food researchers at universities over the years. I was contacted by then Mayor Bloomberg's office mm-hmm. uh, in New York City about, hey, they were interested in getting this because from a policy perspective, there are lots of things that can be done. I mean, at the Argus Leader, we were interested in in looking at food deserts and how much taxpayer money was going to say out of the way, you know, convenience stores mm-hmm. out in out in rural America, and in the same same problems exist in urban America, you know, where you had you don't have grocery stores, you mm-hmm. have gas stations. Um, so from a policy perspective, you could see where money is going and you could help make the program better. Um, I was also interested, I'm also interested in the data from a fraud perspective. I think that using some data analysis techniques with the sales data, you could, for example, determine potential uh, stores committing fraud in the program. Um, You'd see outliers. You could definitely see outliers. I mean, it, it's not a stretch to be able to run, for example, um, queries of the same types of stores. There are 13 different categories of stores that participate. And so you could run queries of, of stores by a zip code and by store type and mm-hmm. look at the outliers just by zip code. I mean, you could really narrow it down and then determine why. Why does this store have X amount of huge amount of sales and the one uh, a block away does not? That would tell you that there's probably something going on that merits further investigation. Uh, there are all types of uh, food stamp scams um, even though they're not stamps anymore and they're EBT cards, there's a lot of, of sort of black market operation that goes on uh, with the, the cards. But what you're talking about is people saying they're doing sales, taking the money, and there's really no – it's like a phantom sale. Is that the kind of thing you're looking yeah, at? Yeah, there are um, – from the on the retailer side, and like you say, there are, there are many ways to scam the program. But for, on the retailer side, the, you know, they could – they could ring up, you know, uh, you know, hundred dollars worth of whatever, you, you, right? You know, and uh, and give the person fifty dollars. You know, in, in a lot of the fraud instances, because the the the, the to be clear that the the money, the snap money, can't be used for for tobacco, can't no. be used for you know not alcohol. See, when people say that's what they're seeing in the grocery line, they're not seeing. They're that. not seeing that. So, but what, but in a lot of the fraud cases, though, you will have retailers exchanging, you know, sell, you'll have, you'll have, you'll have the recipients selling their benefits. So maybe they'll get 50 cents on the dollar, mm-hmm. you know, use your $100. So then they have, then they have $50 cash then in which they can purchase other, other items mm-hmm. that are not permitted uh, in the SNAP program. It would just be, it is a massive amount of data, is it not? It, yeah, it would be a tremendous amount. We, I would love to, to go through it. How do, they, how do they deliver that? It's not like you're coming on a thumb drive. Um, I think, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I get a lot of data from government freedom of information requests, and they still use, they use disks. <laughs> so, yeah. Has anybody got a CD so, player, DVD yeah, no, player around we here? Have, so I have an old CD player that I keep around um, uh, that I can plug in. And, I mean, you know, I mean, this thing looks like it's from 1995, but, you know, that's, I mean, that's how you still get the majority of your your data from from the federal government. Mm, Interesting. We're going to come right back with Jonathan Ellis from Argus Leader Media and chat more. Probably, we're just going to keep talking about food stamps because it is fascinating when you start taking the layers off it. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we are chatting with Jonathan Ellis, investigative reporter from Argus Leader Media, and uh, the 
the topic of the hour, although we have many things we could have talked about. We're talking about food stamps, and uh, we didn't even talk about politics. You know, it's You're, August. Yeah. Do you want to talk about politics in August? We usually, no. usually it's kind of a post-Labor Day. You know, you get through the primary. You get through some craziness that happens amongst maybe some third parties or some <laughs> others. But, you like know, the Democrats not having their convention done properly, that, things of that nature. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> some technicalities there. I mean, the, the, like the Constitution Party was the one that sort of yes. stuck out as, um, and then, you know, you kind of just enjoy a little bit of summer if you can, yeah. and then you get past Labor Day, and pretty soon, you know what, you're, you're two months away from an election, and that's when you got to start kind of thinking about uh, politics and campaigning and campaigns and yeah. ballot issues. And Unleash the hounds. Right, all those kinds of things. So, you know, we're close. We're close to the, the politicking time, but we're not quite there yet. Um, do you, it, it, are you finding it an interesting season? Let's just say that an interesting political season locally, or is it kind of eh? not as much locally? I mean, I think nationally is, is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, whether, I mean, the, the big question will be, you know, whether Republicans can hold that, can hold their, their mm-hmm. Senate majority. I mean, they have a very favorable map, um, but uh, you know they've had some they've they have some uh you know some wins that they have to endure mm-hmm. here so you know it, 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 i think from that nationally i think that this midterm election is going to be very interesting oh, you know yeah. they they've talked a lot it's about fun. the the blue wave that's coming potentially coming um i just don't see that the voter registration numbers in in south dakota that there's enough of a of a enough water here for that blue wave. I mean, it's a blue I, puddle. You know, I could always be proven wrong, but you know, it, we'll see. Um, yeah, the blue wave. Every race is individual, and I I hate to ever characterize these things. I know there's we call things uh, uh you know uh you know a, a reform election or a uh, what do we call those when there's a wave? Uh, <laughs> I can't even think of the word now. But it's you know where there's uh, these big um, change elections and. Yes, that's true to a certain extent, but still every election, every race is its own dynamic. So I hate to put those kinds of things on there. But I want to finish up with food stamps real quick before we're done here because so what's, how long will this, we we talked about the farm bill. So the farm bill, if that goes through, that could end up, would that make the Supreme Court case or the the request of the Supreme Court, would that nullify that then? I mean. Make it unnecessary. Moot, as they say. Yeah, yeah. And also, all this will be for naught. Correct. Well, that will upset you, won't it? Uh, deeply. <laughs> so, you've had like you mentioned that there's a lot of interest in uh, the results of this. Like, uh, characterize that for us. You said some academics, some media. Like, how how uh, much interest is there in the outcome of this beyond the Argus Leader newsroom? Well, it's certainly within media organizations, um, you know, the transparency organizations. But again, from the, the practical point of view, it's my understanding in talking to um, food researchers. There was a, a young lady we've been dealing with um, at the University of Michigan now for years. She's been trying to get the same data because she wants it for, you know, a study program that mm-hmm. they're doing there to try to help optimize uh, Michigan's uh, use of, of rural um uh, farmer markets and getting, you know, um, mm-hmm. rural food. Michigan has a program where you actually, you can, uh, you can, they give you more money if you're spending it on like, uh, vegetables and things of that mm. nature bought in Michigan. So that to try to encourage that. So through the food stamp program. Yeah. So oh. through their own local, you know, they have their own state yeah. rules. And so th- she really wants that, this kind of sales data to, you know, they, they, they think, think that, think they can optimize the program with that kind of sales data. And again, the, you know, um, there have been, w- during a comment period that the USDA had on whether they thought, whether they, you know, they solicited opinions, this is several years ago now, about whether this sales data should be released. There were a lot of people who within, you know, um, you know, nutrition camps and, and mm-hmm. food research organizations that thought it should be because it could help optimize the program. And there's also, and the reason, or going back to the original reason we wanted it, was because it was just to find out where people get their food. That was it. And that still remains kind of a difficult question to answer without this data. It, this would seem to be, this data 
is one of the few ways where you can figure out where people buy their food. Yeah, but I mean, poor people in particular. Yeah, but and it's, that, and and it, is, it, it is poor people, but it is indicative, too, of a larger trend geographically. If you live, I suppose there are differences, but if you live someplace that's pretty isolated, you only have a couple places to buy food, and it may not be the best food that you can get. Yeah, that's that's definitely correct. And if you're if you're poor, you're maybe even more limited in mm-hmm. where you can go. I mean, you, you're not going to drive to drive Falls. thirty miles to the bigger town to to get to go to the bigger grocery store or whatever, because maybe your car your transportation is not as reliable or whatever. So, you know, I I, I think I mean I I think I think just in South Dakota to have that retailer data, it would be fascinating because I think you would see some real interesting spots out in the middle of nowhere where they have high high snap sales yeah and that's i think what they're a lot of people are worried about but hey when walmart's making all the cash off it that's going to be a that's a hard fight all the way well we'll be watching it the farm bill is in conference committee it could still get stripped out of there right um but you think there's some piece of it's going to go through just to recap that if I, I mean, if I had to guess, I think the industry has a lot of power, and I think that they'll, I mean, they'll wield that power and get something in there, and then it'll be, it'll be sort of unprecedented that, while well, we get to know what it, you know, taxpayers pay for lots of other programs and people, and this for for some mm-hmm. reason, this voluntary program is is going to be excluded from that transparency. Jonathan, uh, we'll be watching your reporting at Argus Leader Media, and. Also, uh, you'll have to come back, and we will talk about politics after Labor Day. Is that all right? Oh yeah, awesome. We'll come right back and tell you what's going on for the rest of the week here on the show. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This Saturday, the farmer's market is getting down to the end. It's the good stuff. It's the harvest stuff. Every Saturday, 8 to 1 p.m. at the shelter across from Falls Park, featuring local vegetables, meats, baked goods, flowers, bedding plants, herbs, coffee, pizza, soaps, jewelry, and so much more. I think that goes through the end of October, so you got time. For more information, go to the events calendar at KSO.com and find out what else is going on in the world. Coming up tomorrow, Twins game, 12-10, and uh, we'll be here after the post game, whenever that is, to chat. That'll be fun. On Friday, we're talking football. Jeff Harkness from uh, ESPN 99.1 will be here. We will talk about the big school, State and U. It's going to be a blast. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Giving 